money makes things easier, but it's not the be all and end all because you you know you can have a small amount of money and be as happy as a clam. Um, you can have a lot of money and be as miserable as fuck. Hey folks, this week I got a chance to sit down and interview one of my people and my faculty, Heather Gardner from Foundation Training Australia. What an amazing lady. She has had an, a journey which is super cool. Over the last 40 years, she has gone from uh, starting out in a country town, uh, love, divorce, growing a business with her partner to 200 million and plus buying an aeroplane uh, to divorces and restarting again. Uh, seven children, 17 grandchildren, you name it. What an amazing conversation we had this week and Heather shared her uh, success stories, her failures, her lessons from an amazing life. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this one this week. Heather Gardner, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jace. Thanks for the invite. Very privileged to be here. Been looking forward to chatting with you for quite a while and I just want to lay the scene as we sort of set out today because... Um, I would define you as maybe like a, an unsung hero for, for entrepreneurs around Australia. Like I've, I've known you for a number of years now and your story is amazing and I want to sort of dig into that today. But I just want to lay the framework before we get the conversation started. You know, you've been an entrepreneur for many, many years, uh, created with your partner a very successful business into the 200 million and plus turnover, hundreds of team members, uh, you know, uh, mum of seven, two biological, five. Um, I'm the, fucking tired just thinking about it. <laughs> 17 grandchildren uh, and, you know, I think you're on your third uh, entrepreneurial journey in business right now, an absolute inspiration. So I just want to lay that foundation early up front here because if people sort of look for you online or on Instagram or Facebook or Facebook. Um, <laughs> they, Somewhere. They, yeah, yeah, they wouldn't see this story, but that's why I wanted to dig into it today. But yep. um Happy days. As we kick off, mm -hmm. sort of let's reverse right up. And so, you know, when you were, um, you know, a, a young woman, you know, did you ever think, was there ever any um, thought in your mind at some point you'd be an amazing entrepreneur, you're going to go after it, or did it come accidentally? Where did it start for you, mm -hmm. this entrepreneurial journey? Take us back, school, wherever it was. Um, well, thank you for that. <laughs> uh, that's um, obviously um, quite an intro. And, uh and as we've talked about before, I don't see my story any different to, you know, anybody else. Mm. I'm certainly not defined by what I do. It's just the things that you do. So if we think about, um, you know, what happened, um, you know, sort of early on, um, I I never had any entrepreneurial, it wasn't even fashionable back in, um, in those days in, in my time, but I always knew that I had capabilities that I didn't know exactly what they were. I wanted to be a lawyer. God, I don't know why the fuck I wanted to do that <laughs> in my younger years. But um, I always loved that learning, you know, sort of capacity that that job would take. Yep. Um, that didn't end up being that way. I went into real estate um, and I was just a you know, receptionist back in those days. It was a lot easier to get jobs in it then. And... Uh, and then I got into banking and finance, so I worked in ANZ for, um, you know, sort of some time. Yeah. And uh, and I loved the finance side of, um, you know, things because ultimately, be it on the commercial or the residential side, you were actually supporting people to, you know, live their dream. So I learned a heap, got paid shit money back in those days, and um, I decided that I needed – there was very little progression. You either had to be a mobile, as they called it, and you were female, so – that didn't, you know, sort of work very well. So I took a punt and applied for a job at CSR, oh, building, yeah. building materials. So yeah. at the time they were merging both their divisions. Um, um, used to be uh, PGH or Pugon Hard as we used to call it. <laughs> Pugon Hard and, um, and Monia. And, um, and I actually said to the sales manager, I've got no experience in doing what we're doing, but I come with a great attitude and, um, you know, a can-do you know, sort of scenario. Yeah. Anyway, I said, um, you got to, you, every now and again, you got to bet on a rookie and uh, I'm that rookie. And he did. And, um, and I did really well, um, you know, in that, in that space. So I guess if I look at, you know, when you do look back and reflect on your life, you go, I went and worked in the factories um, to understand how the product worked. Yeah. 
um, and being a female in the building industry way back then, mm. um, you'd get on site because you're a chick. Um, but if you didn't know your stuff, um, you know, you were going to get kicked off site pretty quick. So yeah. went and worked in the factories. Um, the guys at the time gave me a really hard time, put me in the fucking paintball tin and came out looking <laughs> like a bloody, um, you know, dot ball. Um, but every day I showed up. Yeah. And you kept coming back. Yeah. yeah. So every day I was back there and, um, by day three, they actually went, mm, okay, this bird's actually not going to leave, yeah. so we'll actually work with her. And it was the real turning point for, you know, it's that connection with people to say, you know, it doesn't matter what you're going to do to me, but I'm committed, so either get on the fucking bus or yeah. get off. Get either off. way, I'm still going to be here. So Where do you reckon that tenacity came from? Was there something in your childhood, like mum and dad, you know, we had, did they sort of treat you tough or... You know, or was it just something innate? You were like, no, I'm going to take life on, like, you know, because it, it um, is an interesting story because, you know, you're a country girl. Hmm. Yeah. And um, often I grew up in a country town too. It's you kind of like fit in, you know, don't stick fit out. Fit in or fuck off. Yeah, 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 that's what it was, right? You know, and, uh, you know, I, I had a similar feeling, you know, when I was growing up in a country town, it's like, oh, I don't want to be here forever. Um, hmm. You know, was there something in there for you like that? Um, yeah, I, I, I suppose... Um, you know, everyone has some things that define them and mm. um, I had an, an older sister and, um, you know, she was sort of the little princess, I suppose. I was a bit more of the tomboy. Yeah. Um, and I didn't – my family didn't end up with a, a son for, you know, sort of eight or nine eight or nine years after me. So I was always the one that was doing, you know, the work, I guess. Uh, um, and, yeah. You're the I, oldest? No, I was, I was second. So um, – I'm now the oldest. My sister, you know, was killed in a car accident. But um, uh, it it was just one of those things that I was just, you know, um, I'm sure I was born a little tough nut and <laughs> uh, and you have to defend yourself. So mm. I was, uh, you know, maybe I was put on this planet to actually, um, you know, defend those that were the undefendable and, um, and most of all that was probably me. So, yeah, I just had this, you know, attitude that and, – and that probably started way back um, because – my parents sent us to a public school. Okay. And uh, my sister went to Casterton High and um, and I, I can't even remember how old you are when you go to um, high school and down there it was, you know, sort of forms. Um, but I decided I didn't want to go to the public school. I wanted to go to the private school, which was Monovay College. It was an hour or so away. And um, so I trapped foxes to pay for my, you know, tuition. Is that right? Yeah. So I guess it was innate that I was always doing things differently, thinking differently, yeah. you know, and that's what you have to do yep. in life, let alone in business. So To make it work. Yeah, so um, I don't, and I don't know whether or not that was, you know, the key to, to all of those things, but anyway, that's, that's what I did. And, and again, it's not until you reflect back and you go, what defining moments actually made those defining moments? Yeah. But I don't think there were any particular that defined, you just did, you know, yeah, you just did what you did what you need to do. Yeah, yeah what you yeah. thought was right before your mind sort of became a bit polluted with all the other shit that carries on in the world these <laughs> days. You know, as we get a bit older, we absorb some things maybe that aren't uh, that great. But we'll we'll maybe dive into that in a little bit. But hmm. CSR, you know, it's yep. um it's the start of something for you that sort of headed you in a direction, a journey, whatever. You know, so in CSR, did you progress through? Was there a career there at that point? You were like, yeah, I'm gonna pursue a career here or there's something you're going to sort of grab onto or go after? Um, yeah, so I obviously had, you know, high aspirations and um, and uh, at the time um, my first husband and I, we'd, um, you know, we'd sort of um, separated and divorced, you know, sort of some time before that and, um, and you know, I was just really good in my space and, and it was really quite funny because, you know, I was, a, I was a young chick at the time. I think I was, you know, sort of 20... 27, 28 years of age and, and um, uh, we were a bit, you know, sort of um, off men. So um, <laughs> in the building industry that was a, a bit of a handy thing. So any events I went to I'd turn up with, um, you know, a girlfriend. So um, even back then they thought I was a lesbian. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I like men. Um, so uh, I, I actually had really high aspirations and um, then my second husband and myself, we ended up um, – we were doing, you know, sort of a lot of work together. In, in CSR world? No, well, he was a builder and I was in CSR. Gotcha. And, um, and it was, you know, sort of our coming together was quite um, odd because um, I actually invited 
um, some guys from Hutchies at the time and, um, you know, Gary was at FK Gardner, invited them to, um, to lunch and Hutchies declined. Um, they said yes and on the day they declined and uh, I was sitting at the top at Picnic Point in Toowoomba and I thought, oh, fuck, what am I going to talk to him about? <laughs> and uh, I should just cancel. And uh, anyway, I rang his office and, and uh, I was told that he'd, um, he'd left. So we ended up having lunch and as it turned out, we had a bunch of things in common and, um, and we chatted for hours and hours and, and, uh, and then, you know, the rest is um, history. We ended up a romance getting, flourished. Yeah, yeah. romance flourished and, and, uh, and then um, uh, I ended up, um, Gary only had a, you know, sort of smaller business at the time. Yeah. They were only doing, um, you know, sort of a couple of million um, dollars. They had a small team and um, I got offered to go to Sydney with CSR and, uh, and I um, obviously bet on a relationship over a career at the picked, time. Picked love at that point. Yep. And uh, and then Gary said, why don't you come and work in the business? Because obviously I had the, the business, the finance and, and so forth at the back yep. and uh, and then, you know, sort of some business skills. So uh, and, uh, and we uh, ended up becoming, you know, sort of quite a life, good working. Life partners yeah. and business partners, yeah. Mm. So at that stage um, – had you had both of your children at that stage? Your, yep. Yeah. And yes. so, so Tammy and Andrew yep. um, I had. Yep. And then when Gary and I came together, we were like the Brady, Blus, Brady Bunch plus one. So he had five children. So he added five. You, you brought two and then you were a family of seven. Uh, yeah, and all the kids decided to move in with us. So I'm not sure quite how I <laughs> drew that really tiny short straw, but um, it was amazing <laughs> at the time. Like, you know, when you come together as a couple, we'd yep. only been together for three months and yep. – um, and then uh, he had two little people, tiny people, and uh, and then the three older boys decided to move back in. It's like, wow, you know, this is uh, – and I was, uh, I think at the time, uh, 30 or 29 or 30. And, yeah, so I went from um, two to seven and, and it was like, oh, my God, you know, my womb shrunk and, ah. and it was like, oh, how am I going to do this? But you just do, <laughs> just you know, do. Yeah, yeah, working yeah. full time and have, a you know, sort of all the kids. Well, and that's part of what I wanted to sort of maybe chat about today because, you know, I think – the, the great unsung heroes are the mums of the world, right? Mm. You know, and whether whether you agree with it or not, they end up being lumped with the, the majority of the domestic um, support around the house and, you know, then take care of the children too. And then if they want a career, you know, try and fit it in if you can, but, you know, good luck with it all, right? So, mm. and you know, from what I can tell with our discussions, you know, you just pulled your, you know, big girl britches up and went just hell for leather for the whole thing and, um, mm. you know, a bit of inspiration you know, for, for other, you know, entrepreneurial women listening in, you know, mums or whatever it is right now, like it can be done. I seriously don't know how the fuck <laughs> I did it. <laughs> but maybe sometimes, you know, would you agree with something like it, sometimes it's it's no good to overthink it or you just got to get the fuck on with it? Yeah, and I, look, and I actually think it's probably more challenging for the women now yeah. because there is so much noise or, you know, infobesity yes. um, around, you know, what what should I do, sh what shouldn't I do? Right, wrong, You know, judgment. yeah, and, and yep. I think, um, you know, this is, and, and, and it's be it right <laughs> or wrong attitude at the time, um, and I'm obviously, you know, sort of um, on the other side of 50 these days, um, back then you just got on and did it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I didn't have, you know, sort of a lot of family support around and, um, you know, and it, and it was, you, know, you look back and you go, was it tough? Mm. I don't think so. Yeah. Were you challenged? Fuck, absolutely. Yeah. But you still did it. Yeah. Um, and we got to the stage where, you know, we, we actually had a nanny come in of yeah. an afternoon. Yeah. Um, they weren't living. But, you know, they did some of those things that you couldn't be there to do, yeah. you know, the the homework and get them bath, but let's all sit down and have let's dinner do type it. stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, that's very fortunate to be able to do it and, mm, and it's not like mm. the childcare stuff these days. But, yeah, it's just um, – it, it's one of those things and um, I, I, I often reflect back and go, the only time I actually had to myself – and I hear that a lot with um, you know, my um, the daughters and, and daughter-in-laws and things in, in my life now and they go, oh, you know, there's no me time. And it's like, suck it up, princess. Sometimes that's just the way it is yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's not right. Yeah. Because the guys can still go and do what they do, but uh, the time I got was, you know, when I was on the toilet, and then you'd have kids coming in. Yeah, knocking so, on the door anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's and it's 
it feels like a long time, yeah. but it's actually a short time, short time when you reflect back. Yeah, so. when you look back. And so for you guys, you know, you chose love, added another five kids to your family, mm. all living together. Mm. And then um, you say, well, you know, we've got this uh, business. Gary's got a business. Let's work on that together. You know, tell me about when, you know, you guys started working together and then there was these opportunities that came came along and how did you guys take advantage of that together? Because really a couple of million dollar turnover business, you know, and over a decade um, grew to a $200 million turnover business and, um, you know, uh, amazing um, opportunities and experiences and stuff along the way. But sort of how did it really get started for you guys in that sort of space? What What was the, you know... The catalyst, the I yeah, suppose. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, we would we would quoting on, um, you know, ablution blocks or toilet blocks. You know, that was sort of the extent of what we were doing at the time, and and some sheds and you know, sort of other houses and and um, you know, sort of smaller scope um, projects. And I think the catalyst really came, um, you know, when the government, you know, sort of bought out their pre um, pre qualified supplier status. Um, I'd been working with them in on the um, steering committee. So we were able to do... You were in um, on the ground and I'm level. Not sure, yeah, I'm not sure if that's sort of like, you know, um, an in-house thing, but it's so many years ago, who cares? Um, uh, we we got to be able to position the business where it needed to be yep. to leverage those things. And, um, we yeah, we, we just leveraged it. And and I guess pressed um, the, the areas that we needed to be able to press. And, you know, construction has its challenges, as anybody... Uh, any of your listeners are listening, um, anyone in construction knows that there's the ebb and flow of those things. Yes. And, um, and you know, you're actually at the mercy um, of the tender process and if you're the cheapest, great, if you you get the gong, but if you're not, um, you don't. So you can spend a lot of time doing a lot without getting the rewards. So. Yeah, yeah. And and so in that tender process, it was really around that mining world really where, where you guys got, you know, a, a bunch of great contracts really at the end of the day, you know, and that sort of, that mining boom really, um, you know, started you guys in that direction. Is that that's kind of where it started, yeah. or did it sort of lead uh, into look, that? There was a multitude of areas, yeah. and and I think, um, you know, a lot of the time you can look at your business and and as you're growing, and you know, anybody that's grown significantly over a period of time, you actually just strap on and <laughs> and go, you know, uh, are we doing it right? Fuck, I don't know, but yeah. you know, we've got money in the bank, so happy days. Um, and you still have that mentality because you don't have, at times, the time to look and go, what do we now need to put in place to be able to do these things? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we certainly made um, errors uh, in judgment along the way. We made some monumental fuck-ups. But fortunately, the things that we did do right were more than the things we did wrong yep. to be able to grow. And I, th- I know we've talked about it before having the foundations right, doing your growth, setting your foundations again for the next stage of growth, et cetera, is a constant within a business. And, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Fortunately, we had, or, you know, we had the foresight to be able to do that, to continue to be able to grow and learn from the errors, which a lot of the time you'll take on board, you'll put in your belt, but you don't look at them again until it happens again go, fuck, yeah, it's, this reminds me, I've <laughs> done, done it again. Before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a bit of a wound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And so, you know, that trajectory for you guys over a decade or so, you know, you were saying off air, but it'd um, be great to sort of talk through that again, you know, 2 million, 5 million, 10 million, 20 million, you know, and beyond. Mm. Like take us through that kind of, you know, that journey. because the, the emotional journey yes. that is revenue yeah. and the balance sheet. Yeah, yeah. Um, look for for your listeners. It, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a startup um, or where you are in your business journey. You know, when you're when you're a startup and you get to you know ten thousand, a hundred thousand, you know they are monumental steps. Yeah. And you know, once you've done your first million, and I don't mean that to sound fickle in any way, um, you you celebrate that, and then you get to five, and you go, wow, you know, we are seriously kicking some ass now. You get to ten. And um, I've got a midgie around me. Uh, you, nothing like live radio. Um, you get to, um, you know, sort of 10 million and you go, wow, you know, we are a big business now. Yeah. And then, of course, you get to 50 and, again, I don't mean to sound, um, you know, sort of flippant, but you get to 100 and then it doesn't matter. You know, 200, 300, whatever it is, it then becomes a number. You feel great about it. Yeah but you lose sight of some of those things because all of a sudden you've got a bigger team that you're responsible for. Yeah. And, um, and that, you know, that, that's responsibility. Yes. And, um, 
but yeah, I, I certainly know the celebrations that we that we used to do, and certainly in my current business, uh, um, you know, we we cracked uh, four hundred and ten thousand for the month last month, and and, and you celebrate those things yes. because that takes a team effort. So it's a huge team effort. Mm. Let's sort of talk about that, folks. Everyone listening in, Heather's being very, um, you know. Um, uh, limited here in the explanation, 100 million, 200 million, you know, and beyond in the turnover. And I just want to maybe sort of go back to that and before we move on to anything else, like, you know, for you as that was starting to become, uh, you know, I'd call it a beast of its own, you know, where, where do you see in that journey maybe, um, you know, looking back on it now, where some of the cracks started to show maybe for, you know, your partnership with Gary um, and, you know, were there any other things for me as a business owner, I feel in the past some of the mistakes I'd like to go back and fix. But, you know, if you, you did, you, if you did, you know, you probably wouldn't have the lessons. You know, some of the sacrifices I thought that were smart at the time, I look back and go, I, I, I wish I would have chose something maybe differently if I had a chance, maybe with my kids or with my partner or whatever. Mm. You know, as that beast took on a life of its own, you know, yeah. like you said, you're strapped into this rocket. Yeah, look, I, and I think it's one of those um, those funny things when you're in it, you're doing what you think is right mm. um, and no one sets out to do something that isn't going to work for your family more so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and Gary and I were working together and as you know, as you know, that is a challenge in itself, mm. walking in through the front door and then going business now longer is, is at work and now it's family. It's everywhere. Um, that, that is a really hard thing to do and we didn't do it well yep. or at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because we by that that stage we had some of our children were in the business, uh-huh. um, so that flows all the way through. And at the time we weren't um, wise enough uh, or mature enough or, or whatever it was. And I think because it was always part of our business that 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 door never finished, that it just became that evolution of conversation. So. Um, one of my massive um, you know takeaways from that was, having that separation and that boundary and having the maturity to, to one, put the boundary in yep. and, two, hold the boundary because that you can put anything in but if you don't stick to it, yep. that becomes, you know, sort of the key. So that was a really big thing um, for us because ultimately where, where you're working your ass off and you think I'm doing this for my family, if you're not there for your family – by the time they all go and you go, but hang on a sec, guys, you know, I've actually been working my ass off to actually give you these things. Mm. They actually just want your time. Yeah. They want your presence. And that's a that's a challenge to stand back from that when you've got responsibilities to, you know, your, your team members, you know, your mortgage, all those other things because yeah. you go, I'll just do this and then I'll have the, the reality is, It'll, all those things will still be there. Just take the time. Take some extra time. Mm. Good little bit of advice for those listening in. Indeed. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Don't, don't be in such a rush. And, you know, um, you know, in those times of, you know, those amazing, you know, growth periods for you guys, like, you know, how many team members did you have on board um, as, as you grew the business? Oh, we went from um, eight to um, over a thousand. Over a thousand people, mm. you know, and yeah. And, and I, think, I think the tipping point for me to know everybody uh, was around the 300 mark yeah. and then you'd sort of go and you wouldn't mean it disrespect, disrespectfully but you'd sort of say, and, and sorry, who are you and what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's another person, great. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. That, 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 that becomes a challenge in itself and, you know, it, it's, it's the old adage, make sure that it, it gets back to your foundations. What are you here for? What are you doing? What's your purpose? Yep. Where do you want to go yeah. and what are your values? And um, and at the time, ours were you know not as rigor rigorous as what they should have been, yep. and um, and we hired incorrectly. Yeah, but also too, you were saying that you know some of the some of the values you guys worked with was a little bit of a you know a, an advantage for for your recruitment and sometimes in competitions because you guys were like known to, to have a bit more fun than others. Mm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So you you know. When you realise that you need those things, and yes. then you put them into your employment contracts, and that's what you hire and fire on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. There was some funny times, and uh, and you know, yeah, one of them being out um, out west. Mm. And um, you know, I, I, you said you're always hands on in you know some of these 
mining camps and you know expansions and and, and so on you know um you know you're always uh, out and about you know making sure that things were happening on those mining camps you know like how many people at a time were were out there in the middle of literally nowhere, often wasn't it? You know, bumfuck. I hope. <laughs> yeah, that's the I'm one. sure they don't want. To, I don't, I'm sure they don't want want to be caught um, injuring as bumfuck Idaho. But that's that's where we were. You know, yeah. on on greenfield sites, yeah. and um, you know, one thing, you know, if you're asking people to do things um, that is a real step up, the best way to actually get them to rise to the occasion is to be out there with them. Yeah. Uh, doing it, and uh, and you know, I, I don't mind putting on the high vis and the and the steel caps. And it actually gets you back to the roots of the business. And obviously anyone in construction understands that, you know, you can have an office full of people, um, you know, sort of managing the projects. But if you haven't got the guys out in the field building the stuff, yep. you've actually got no business. So, um, yeah, we were, we were out there and uh, on, on Greenfield site and, and um, you know, the challenges that went with that logistically and, and you know, sort of manpower and all those things and, and um, internet – uh, and and Jace, I know we've talked about it, uh, and I shared a story where um, internet was that poor out there that I'd uh, I was getting around with a um, uh, hard hat on, and the guys would strap me to um, a forklift, and and this was we were being um, safe. I was oh, strapped in, yeah, 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 I was being strapped <laughs> in uh, appropriately, but they strapped me to the forks of the forklift, uh, put me at full tilt up the top. I had my aerial on my hard hat, and um, they created a little notepad. Uh, thing for me and I'd go up there get all my messages ring back who I had to and uh, and uh, and yeah it was a bit of a, a bit of a joke because I'd do that you know sort of every day and every now and again I'd forget to take my <laughs> swap my hard hat out and I'd be walking around looking like bloody R2D2 uh, <laughs> around the site so I'd look like a bit of a knob but uh, they sort of go you know here's a chick she's the you know director of the business and yeah. we're you know sort of turning over significant amounts and you're not too far from the sun to still get out and do what you had to do Willing to make to do yeah to make yeah. the business work so well and let's talk about that for a, for a second because you know the, the industry building industry mining industry you know largely male dominated you know and um, it sounds like your experience in there was you know you, you you got your hands dirty as much as anyone else and and you know the team around you respected respected that was that something you set out to do on purpose or was that something you you kind of kept front of mind for you like you know probably putting it in context for, you know, um, some of the entrepreneurial ladies listening in right now, you know, maybe some uh, advice or um, some feedback on mm. how, how it worked. So, you know, one of the biggest pieces of advice is, um, you know, from a construction perspective, uh, females will always get on site, and I alluded to that earlier, but you've got to know your shit. Yep. So, you know, um, be respectful of the fact of the knowledge that you want them or, or, or what you're sharing and I guess it goes back to when I talked about the CSR days. How do you understand what's happening if you, you know, if and again, if you're too far away from the sun or too far away from the game and always sitting in the corporate box, yeah. how much are you actually getting to see? Um, so, you know, not being that far away that you, you can't go down and, and sort of that's the best litmus test you can do in any business is, um, you know, go to the people that are actually doing the work and see what they're saying and doing is actually coming back up to you because the bigger your business gets, the greater the filter between, you know, at the coalface to you becomes because, you know, sometimes people can tell you what you want to hear. Yeah. Well, the best way to hear what you want to hear is actually go and deal with the people that are doing it. See, and do you, do you reckon that was maybe one of the little secrets for you guys to, you know, create that success? You, you were... You were never too afraid to get down there and chat to everyone on the front line and, and really get some honest feedback? Um, yeah, like, you know, we were definitely uh, an employer of choice. Um, we looked after our people, um, you know, sort of incredibly well. Uh, I haven't obviously been in the business for some time now, uh, but I would, you know, hope and expect that those values um, continue. But that certainly set us apart and, and we used to get people that would – come and work for us and they go, you know, we really want to be here because yeah. of the way that you treat, um, you know, everybody. So Yeah, yeah, awesome. And, you know, one story if you, you know, if you wouldn't mind sharing just quickly about your, uh, you know, you were saying you, yeah, at one point you, you bought an aeroplane, like bought a jet, you went to America, flew it back, you know, and you had this like crazy surreal moment. Like oh, share, yeah. a little bit, share a little bit of, it, bit of that because I find that stuff fascinating, right? You know, country, country town, you know, and then I don't know. 15, 20, 30 years later, you know, buying a jet and flying around the world like that. Mm, so it was a uh, King Air 250, actually. 
and um, so it was the first one coming to Australia at the uh, at the time, and uh, yeah, so we uh, we bought this bought a plane. We were in a position to be able to do that, and logistically, um, we were being challenged by getting you know sort of people around. So it was a ten seater. Uh, flew to it was yeah, it's a funny story. Flew to America, Wichita, right in the middle of redneck America, and um, <laughs> and uh, we had some you know sort of challenges you know sort of getting there and and. Uh, um, my luggage didn't quite make the plane, and then um, and then there was a little uh, little man that um, we flew American Airlines, and uh, the plane had tax. We were taxiing, and then the next minute, this little guy is waving at the side, and he's going, you know, stop. And it's like, oh, that's my bag, quick stop. <laughs> so the plane did literally stop, threw my bag in, and off we went. So we get to Wichita, and um, and. There is no way ever on a bucket list could you ever say, well, on my bucket list I'm going to buy a plane, I'm going to fly to Wichita and I'm going to fly back in the plane. It's just um, you know, not something that would even be on your bucket list. So I was very, very fortunate um, to be able to do that and I had a, um, we had a ferry pilot that, um, that came with us and uh, we were in Walmart getting some supplies and I had never been to a Walmart at the time and, uh, and he sh- tore his piece of paper, gave me half a list and him half a list and he said, right, this is what we need and we've got a time limit. And I went, oh, my God, you know, how, this, like, you know, anyone that's been to a Walmart or if you haven't, it's like a Bunnings on it, you know, with about 16 other sizes in amongst it. So um, being the Aussie and a problem solver, uh, <laughs> I went and found somebody and uh, said, hi, I'm from Australia and uh, I need these things. And uh, and this lady um was she had a microphone, so she goes, oh, uh, shoppers, we've got this Aussie, Heather, <laughs> and we're going to help her find what she's wanting. And my ferry pilot, he was up the other end and he goes, of course she fucking is. <laughs> so anyway, I got my list long before him and it's like, come on, Al, like, you know, now you're holding us up. So we had, uh, yeah, a bit of a riot. Got on our plane, uh, again, quite surreal, and, uh, and we flew from there to Montreal uh, to fuel up and uh, nearly got put in the clink uh, because we didn't quite pass the... Um, you landed illegally, right? <laughs> we tried to ring. We tried to ring the authorities. They didn't answer. And, uh, and We'll land anyway. Yeah, we'll land anyway. So I said to Al, you know, pop the lid, which is, you know, put the door down. I was, you know, needed to go inside and uh, and off I went. And when we left Wichita, I was in a singlet top and and uh, and shorts. And when we got to Montreal, it was like minus fucking thirty. <laughs> and uh, so I ran inside, got a cup of tea, went to the loo, started to come out. Hear all these uh, sirens, and these two burly guys came and and um, confronted us and said, "What are you doing?" And it's like um, getting a cup of tea. And he goes, "No, no, like, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Oh, we're just fueling." You didn't ring. Yes, we did. Look, here's my here's the thing. Come in the plane. No, no you stay where you are. And uh, anyway, it was a lesson in how to talk really quickly, um, <laughs> and uh, to, because they threatened to lock us up. And uh, anyway, they didn't, and uh, we went on our way. And uh, and then um, part of the trip, you know, you stop along the way, but the the absolute never happen in your life again was. Um, going over Greenland and my ferry pilot said to me, he used to fly to for Cathay Pacific and he said, I've never got to see Greenland up close because it's always cloudy. And I said, mate, all you have to do is set the intention and you just part the clouds and we'll get to see it. <laughs> so two nautical miles out, it started to part and he goes, you know, look at this, here, here we go. And I said, let's get on to Radio Greenland and see if we can come and have a look. And he said, Heather, you can't do those things. Well, that's like a red rag to a bull. And um, so I jumped on the radio, um, uh, Victor Hotel, Foxtrot, Kilo Bravo, uh, Radio Greenland, uh, we're flying over your country, the clouds have parted and we'd love to have a closer look. Can we drop down to 15,000 feet? And uh, crackle, crackle. And he goes, oh, see, you shouldn't have done that. And they came back and they um, gave us approval. So well, there you go. yeah, down we dropped and, you know, it, it, Photos can never do what we saw justice, but uh, yeah, one of those one of those things in your life Once that in you, a lifetime yeah, thing. absolutely. Yeah. I think the Montreal people forwarded and they said, "Listen, Heather Gardner's on there on her way <laughs> from Australia. <laughs> Let her through." <laughs> Indeed. So we got to Iceland and um, 
and I'd never been to Iceland. And it was quite funny because we pulled up, we went through customs, they have little private ones, and the guy was there and he put a little date stamp and I went, mate, are you serious? I'm in Iceland and that's all I get, a little date stamp. And he got out this other stamp and it's a map of Iceland and it says approved. <laughs> and I went, oh, that's so much better. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a bit surreal. Yeah. Mm. And crazy times, mate, you know, and it sounds like, you know, those things are certainly ones you'll, you'll lock away in the vault forever. And you know, obviously I'm sure you're telling your grandchildren when it's appropriate to tell those stories. <laughs> yeah, not what to do. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, let's sort of maybe, you know, uh, shift gears into that phase where, you know, maybe that chapter was coming to an end. What was mm. what was the start of that for, for you guys? And, you know, you, know um, you, you moved on from the business, uh, you moved on from that partnership. You know, give us a little bit of a... Yeah, so um, after um, Gary and I separated, I actually stayed in the business um, for, okay. a, um, I think it was about 18 months. And, I, you know, you do those, you, you make the decision that you need to do at the time. Yep. Um, when it was such a big part of your life, um, I needed I needed that time to be able to extract myself out yep. and um, and you know sort of find my way. So when when it, I think it was a bit by mutual agreement, you need to go. I need to stay. You know, fortunately, we were still able to you know be in the same room and do all those things. Um, and I you know I say quite regularly, you know, I divorced. Gary and I divorced, but we didn't divorce, you know, sort of our the kids and the responsibilities that go with that. Yeah. And that's, you know, sort of a really big thing when you've got a blended family or any family, I guess. It's that all of those emotional things that go with it, yeah. um, you know, it, it, if you pull on one thread, the whole bed can fall apart yes. or the whole, you know, thing can fall apart. But And it's not about, you know, not um, not pulling on those threads, but just being adult because at the end of the day, there's more people that um, you know you can impact by doing it. Maybe not the, you know, anything that's highly emotive like that. You can you can e- easily take a different path yes. versus taking a more adult, grown-up path. Mm-hmm. Mm. And you know, these days you're still in um, talking terms with everyone, seeing all the seventeen grandchildren. Um, yeah, know. some of them I don't get to see <laughs> as often. Um, but you know, we've we've got a farm, Johnny and I. Uh, my partner, we've got a farm down at um, Telgum, northern New South Wales, and yep. yeah, the kids love coming, um, you know, down there. Back to the simple life. Visiting Nan. Mm. Is it Nan? Nanny H. Nanny H. Nanny H. I'm the I'm the cool one. The cool dad. <laughs> well, uh, you know, and then so you know, that was the that was a chapter. Mm. You know, an amazing chapter for you. You know, what what sprung from that at that point was was you know, did you? You know, take a rest for a while, or did you say, "Well, no, I've got plenty, plenty left to do, and and, and grasp something and get into it"? What was the sort of transition for you? Because mm. you've had a couple of, you've got two successful businesses in the in recent times. So, you know, when did you sort of launch back in and and grab those things by the yeah by the by the, uh, by the horns or whatever else you want to call? <laughs> um, look, afterwards, um, you know, there was a, a bit of a transition period because you've when you've been um, in such a high um, would you say high demand or I- integral to a business at the time, and yep. then all of a sudden, you know, you you go to nothing. It was and any uh, uh, any of your solopreneurs out there that have had significant businesses and then go back to a startup, I fully appreciate because I was sitting there. I remember um, I set up a property trust, and uh, and I thought to myself, oh, I'll just delegate that. And I turned around, and of course, there was no one there. So <laughs> I actually had to put mirrors beside myself, behind myself. So when I turn around to delegate, it was like, oh, of course, you're doing it, Heather. Um, so that was a, a really big change. You know, when you've got significant number of people and resources behind you and then you're the one doing all yeah. the do. Yeah. Um, so it took me a little while to, you know, sort of work out what I wanted to do. Was that a tough transition for you? Like, did you struggle at that point? Did, you know, or um, was, it, was it just a, a bit of a natural different. process for you? Yeah, yeah. Di- different. Look, I, would, I wouldn't – anything that you want to put a label on yeah. is hard yeah. versus – it was what it was because you know, as Peter Crone said, it was what it was because that's what it. That's, that's what exactly it was. what happened. Yeah. Um, you know, could I have could I have handled it better? I don't think so because I didn't. Yeah. Um, um, did I cry? Fuck, absolutely. You know, did I laugh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was it was finding that balance and I, I guess really getting you know, get to know yourself. Yeah. Who am I without that? Mm. Um. 
So sometimes we have an identity attached to those things, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So you know that was that was certainly an adjustment period, and then um, my stepson um, approached me to um, he wanted to get into training, and um, and it was an interesting transition because he wanted to you know um, he couldn't afford to buy a business, I could, so I bought a shell um, of one that just had some contracts, and it was an embroidery and fashion design. And I wanted, you know, my passion has always been in construction. So um, your listeners might say, how do you take a fashion and design and embroidery business to a, uh, to a construction side? Um, and we just, you know, sort of added scope, pulled out the things that weren't there. Um, he was going to run it for me. Um, and I think the lesson in that is um, it unfortunately didn't work out. Um, we had a values disconnect mm. um, and that's always a challenge, you know, when um, when you've got children and it's irrelevant whether or not they're stepchildren, your biological children or whatever, they're still your family. Yes. Uh, and if that doesn't necessarily work out um, as well, um, that can, you know, sort of create some issues and it certainly did for us. Uh, so I ended up getting the business back and went, fuck, I actually know nothing about training. How hard could it be? Seriously. And um, and everyone used to talk in acronyms. So I put together an acronym book, uh. a glossary, and uh, no one was allowed to use an acronym that wasn't in the glossary and it had to be approved <laughs> before they did. And um, and I really had to reflect on why was I in that space? What what made that something that I could actually do? Yeah. And, um, and I'd spoken to some people, you know, sort of still from, um, you know, sort of historical... And I said to them, you know, God, I've got this bloody business. I don't really know what I'm going to do with it. And they said, for God's sake, Heather, you always used to say somebody needs to deliver quality training. You're in the space. Do something about it. And it's like, oh, wow. You know, so that became then something that I could actually attach to. So you you, you transitioned it into the construction world for training and, and that sort of stuff. That's, yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah. So um, within the space that I used to work, so yes. civil and, and construction, and um, and went okay. I can actually make a difference um, in in the lives of the people that we deal with. So it was like, yeah, I can actually, you know, um, and do it in a kick-ass way, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then you know, you guys have been going strength to strength in the the last bunch of years, and and um, well, the funny part about that is, you know, you you look at your balance sheet when you first buy a shell of a business, and there's uh, zero assets, <laughs> zero income, yeah. and uh, zero liabilities. So you sort of go, well, happy days. Uh, you stuff it full of things because I didn't have the experience or the, sorry, I had the experience in business. I didn't have the knowledge within that space. Mm. Um, got people in that uh, I believed did because they knew more than me at the time and, um, yeah, discovered that uh, if if people were taught the wrong way, they're going to bring the wrong way into your business yeah, yeah. and that's exactly what I got. So, um I had uh, I used a broom twice uh, over a two-year period and went, wow, you know, I've got to get better at this. I've got to educate myself in the space that I'm in and actually get serious about it. Mm. And when I made that conscious decision, that's when, um, you know, we actually went from uh, brackets and uh, minuses on the balance sheet and uh, we finally um, ticked over a profit in, in July after... Uh, three and a half years, so celebrate. We do celebrate, celebrate those things, those yeah, absolutely, ones, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I've gone from you know sort of two hundred, three hundred, four hundred million dollar balance sheets into uh, you know minus a hundred, minus two hundred, minus three hundred, um, and we're obviously clawing that back. So yeah, yeah, I've been on both sides and fully appreciate what it's like when you're starting a, a business again. So. Both sides of those fences, and mm. and you know these days, do you? You bring a bit more balance, maybe. Maybe that's not the right word, but you know, to your approach now. You know, um, as you're as you're approaching this stuff, you're still passionate about entrepreneurialism. You know, you're getting up each day, really going after you know what you're passionate about. But you bring a sort of more of a values balance to it. You think? Oh, without a doubt, we actually we select our clients based on values. Uh, mm. A lot of people can talk about their values. Yeah. And uh, and I certainly know as we were entering this space, and and you know, make no mistake. The vet sector has been bastardised um, by a lot of um, a lot of businesses that have done the wrong thing. And I was actually only talking to uh, a colleague yesterday, and they said, "Oh, 
you know, we're over the the, the vet sector and, you know, these um, dodgy fuckers. And it's like, mate, but, you know, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, there will always be people that will find a loophole and the wrong way to do it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, know in your heart that you're doing the right thing and eventually the, I, my mantra is eventually the truth will come out. Yeah. And if you've done, if you've done the right thing, uh, people will be attracted to that. And we've certainly rejected clients based on the fact that their values don't align with ours. They see that as being, um, oh, you know, you need the work, but it's like I'd much rather not have the work and hold my integrity than take the work and because um, you, you only ever get to sell it once. Yeah, that's a, a great takeaway, yeah. Mm. I, so, someone someone told me that one a, while, uh, a long time ago. I can't remember um, where it came, but it was like, you know, a reputation, you know, takes a lifetime to build and a moment to lose. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, and I think um, that's one of... One of the things that has been, um, you know, the biggest insight over the last little while is COVID, all these things can make people do things that they ordinarily wouldn't do. Mm. And my attitude is this is the time that you actually need to stay to your values because you you never get that back. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's a, and, and, and I fully understand, you know, probably a lot of your listeners may have been, you know, affected by it. But they're the they when when everything else is gone, yeah. you've just got your own integrity and your own conscience to live to live with. So yeah, yeah. Do it right the first time. Yeah. It's, Otherwise, uh, the next bugger that comes in in your body has got some shit to fix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the the karma that you're leaving behind. Exactly, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Clean they it end, up as you go along. Yeah, they yeah. end up with uh, ten ton Tessie to fix up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, you know, I'm sure that um, you know your your um, your business, you know, Foundation Training Australia, like you know. Based on values is going to continue to grow. I know it will with you you at the helm and um, you know leading in an amazing way. So uh, um, uh, I'm excited to see that happen. But you know, changed gear a little bit. Maybe you know, maybe call it the third quarter or a third chapter in your life. Now you know you're, you're balancing the third a, trimester. The th- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Are you, are it you is right? like birthing a baby. It is like birthing a baby. Well, it's true, isn't it? Because you know, sometimes I think um, well, certainly for me, you know, I, I felt our business because Shay and I, my partner. In business together you know us well um it would feel like the business was, it was another child almost one of those demanding you know out of control children sometimes taking all the attention and you're like how do i how do i how do i get here with this such a dysfunctional you know exchange going on so absolutely you know, yeah, yeah and yeah. i'm sure any of your listeners that have got a business probably feel like, like exactly like that yeah because it is demanding and it is it is you know where you put all your energy even though we like to say um, you know, we're balancing our life, but I guess the key is you can you can only do that for so long, and then you've got to you know sort of give yourself the time. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, um, this podcast is called the Well Faculty, and I was sort of chatting to you off air about you know a bit of a, a a dual spin on that, like you know the faculties that you bring your your physical, your spiritual, your mental, your emotional health to you know the the things that you pursue and love and passionate about. You know, what are some of the practices that you've sort of, you know, implemented to stay healthy and energetic and stuff over the years? You know, um, you know, um, what's been keeping you going? Is it, uh, is there, is there something that's always been a theme in there, or you know, what is it for you? Um, hiking's probably uh, one of the biggest themes. Um, so outdoors, nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as soon as you're outdoors and you you're doing those, like humans are so connected to nature but we come become so disconnected to it mm. the evolution of what they do and i i love all the references to um to nature you know you, you don't see trees that hold on to their dead leaves you know that is so relevant mm. for humans that you know it, if something's dead or you know no longer serving you in your life let it go like you know because something right. more beautiful will come in its place you know sort of when it's supposed to yeah so i love all the references to nature and um, and certainly, you know, over the years, you know, we've travelled New Zealand and done a heap of the hikes. Um, obviously the Kokoda track, um, you know, Mont Blanc, you know, there's been a lot of um, things where you get out and, and just really connect back and, and just clear your head. So that's been a um, pretty much a constant. Um, and obviously our farm. Yeah. Um, is well, yeah, you brought a farm just recently and, yeah, so and you're, you're transitioning from the Just up the, the road city. from you, Yeah, yes. we're neighbours. <laughs> we're neighbours in the, in the country sense anyway. And, um, you know, you're, you're, you're um, um, transitioning out of 
yep. city and and um, yeah, got uh, got my got unit on the market. On the market. Yeah, and um, and we're um, as you know, we're in a caravan down at our farm, and uh, and and we've been we've obviously spoken about it. It's really, it's really easy to adjust into the simple things, and you work out, uh, you know, when you've actually got a wardrobe which is only uh, three hundred wide. Um, and can only 300 millimetres wide. Yes, yeah, 300 yeah. millimetres <laughs> wide and uh, can only hold, you know, sort of a swan dry, a coat and maybe two dresses um, and, you know, maybe pack your undies in down the bottom somewhere uh, that all of a sudden all the things that you had you don't need. Mm. Uh, and, you know, that's always a bit of a challenge to shed those things. Yeah. Um, but I guess one of the, the constants that... Uh, We've always played Monopoly with the kids and I think it's a great tool for anybody to actually help their kids learn about money and property yeah. and those things, negotiation skills and and, and so forth. And, uh, and then obviously, you know, there's a myriad of other type of games out there. But uh, I, I remember when um, my partner John joined our family and, and uh, we on Sundays we would play Monopoly and have a bottle of wine with the... My kids are obviously adult children, and uh, and he'd say, "Oh my God, you guys are so competitive. I oh, I don't know that I can actually operate in this family." And um, but that's the lovely part about it, you know. Yeah. It, it's all those negotiation skills, and if you can hone them with your family, uh, you can do it out in the uh, real world. You get, and you get to do that at the farm, unplug a little bit. You know, yeah, absolutely. And COVID was um, a classic A-H. of. Um, of being able to do that, uh, we didn't need an office in Brisbane anymore, and um, and you get to reevaluate, you know, what is important, and things aren't property, wealth, and those things are obviously you still need income, mm. uh, and certainly I've had conversations with my adult children, and um, and you know intergenerational wealth uh, becomes one of those things to be able to you know work toward, and it starts with one property. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to have, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. It actually starts with one property. Yeah. And I think that's where people get confused. I can't do this because, well, you can um, just start smaller. And is that something that's, you know, um, high on the agenda for you now? Like, you know, passing the, being that custodian and passing some intergeneral, intergenerational wealth on and other things. I know you, you're pretty passionate about supporting, you know, charities and other really good, um, you know, uh, ideas. Um, is that something that you're focusing on now as part of, you know, the next five, ten years for you, maybe this legacy idea? Yeah, and, and legacy is always one of those things, isn't it, that um, if I could part, the, the biggest lesson I would love to pass on to, you know, anybody uh, is make people appreciate the value of the dollar and now everything's bloody tap and go so they have no idea how much money they're spending, which yeah. can be a real trap. But appreciate what the what money actually buys, and it, you know, and and people will say, I don't want money, or I've got enough money, or I, this, all these things. Money makes things easier, mm. but it's not the be all and end all because you you know you can have a small amount of money and be as happy as a clam. Um, you can have a lot of money and be as miserable as fuck. Yeah. So you know there are those those differences. So for me. It's now about how can I how can I as an individual be uh, a custodian of that intergenerational um, you know wealth, but not create issues that you know be it grandchildren children end up being reliant on you know on what they think they're going to get, and um, and that to me would be a real travesty. That if you know if. And certainly my kids wouldn't, but you hear it from time, you know, where you've got some, you know, reasonable net worth and their parent and kids will go, well, you know, it doesn't matter because when mum and dad dies or this person dies, I get that. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. pretty, um, I wouldn't like that. So to have it in a controlled environment is, yeah, is, is a lot better. And, and, you know, and giving back, as you said, you know, I'm on the board of Multicap, um, I don't have any disability um, connection but I bring, you know, a wealth of general, really good general business because if we're not doing what we do well, then a whole bunch of people, you know, are, are affected. So, yeah. And it's it's time to give back. You know, you don't get to this stage and then go, well, I'm going to keep all that. 
that's that's my yeah. um, you know sort of um, option and my view. Not everyone you know sort of um, has those. Yeah. But, uh, and give it freely, but don't waste my fucking time and yeah. pick my brain uh, and not you know sort of um, do anything with it. And uh, uh, I actually said it at a seminar once that um, someone said to me, you know, what's your definition of success? And I think people can actually get caught up on that. Oh, it's when I've got this much money or it's yeah. when I've got this. Yeah. Success starts the minute you are born. And if you think about little balls of cotton wool and, uh, and you have a basket and um, over your lifetime you collect these little balls of wool, I start to walk, I get my first tooth, I go to school, I go to preschool, whatever it is, have my first kiss, I have my first, you know, sexual relationship. I was going to say have first root, but I thought I would not. <laughs> I was like, yes, go, Heather. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and then, you know, you get, you get married, you have kids. All those are success balls in my, yeah. in my view. So if you're collecting those in your basket, by the time you get to, you know, sort of 56 or 35 or wherever you are, you have got this beautiful success ball of things that you have done yeah. and it's not defined by money. Mm. That to me is that success because you've lived your life how right. you've and, and valued those little things. Great way to measure. Great mm. way to, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there'll and, be a big sale on cotton wool balls now. <laughs> and, and, you know, along the journey, amazing, amazing journey uh, for your life and I, I, I reckon there's there's uh, some pretty exciting chapters to come to by the sounds of things but... Um, you know, uh, so far, you know, who uh, has been on your faculty to help you along the way? Like, you know, um, you can name them in profession or, or name them in person, but, you know, who are the people that you've relied on for, you know, help in tough times, guidance, direction, support, you know? Um, for those listening at home, sometimes we feel like we're always alone. Mm. But, you know, often you do have to seek out others yeah. to support you sometimes. What did you do? So in my younger years, you know, you just sucked it up. Yeah. Um, I never had a mentor uh, and I didn't – and it's not because I didn't want to. I actually just didn't know how to go how about to. that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and ultimately you ask. Yeah. It, it's really that simple, you know, will, will you ask? Or will you ask the person? Uh, and as I sort of, you know, got to the, the last probably 10 years um, – I went and did an MBA uh, to solidify what I knew in my mind and then I actually went to um, seek out some professional organisations to be able to, you know, sort of support that, certainly through a business journey at the time. You know, Gary and I obviously relied on each other. We had um, a, a, some, a network of friends that were in business. Yep. Um, but I must say it was probably a bit shallow um, conversationally-wise. <laughs> um, I... You know, sort of, uh, if you're a, if you're a female, uh, and and friends of mine were in um, YPO, Young Professionals Organisation, and I thought, wow, you know, I'll actually do that. Um, well, there was a problem. Um, you know, I'm a drip dry, not a flip dry, and um, <laughs> therefore you actually had to have the male, and then as part of that, the female got to you know sort of join, and um, I thought that was a bit shit uh, because yes. at the time. Um, you know, I didn't have um, a male that was in my life that was in business. So that was out for me. I then went and sought out some other professional organisations and um, and ultimately uh, where I've, you know, sort of ended up is um, um, in K2, yeah. which has been, uh, without a doubt, uh, the place, I suppose, where you feel most comfortable um, because everyone's there, no bullshit, and you can actually speak freely and, and it's supportive at whatever level that you are. So um, uh, had I known that you know, something like that wasn't available in my growing years or if it did I wasn't aware of it yep. uh, and therefore I didn't seek it out. So I think everyone finds what they need at the time and, um, and yeah, so found, found, found uh, um, home, so to speak, in a professional level yes. that also supports the personal stuff and a great place to be able to impart some of that um, knowledge. A giving back. Mm. And it sounds like that's part of, you know, your your journey now is that, you know, okay, you know, I want to give back in whatever way I can. Mm. You know, um, it's an interesting one because I love because I love that, that little nuance there. It's like not about getting to a finish line and retiring and that's it, I'm spent or done. It's mm. like, no, 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 I've accumulated so much cool stuff. Now, now can I give back? Can I add value, mm. you know, 
wherever I can. Well, you know. our purpose for Foundation Training Australia is enriching lives through education and it wasn't until the other day and, it, and it's sort of like, oh, my God, you know, why didn't you see that coming? And I'd ha- I was having that conversation with somebody personally and they said, oh, my God, you know, you've just re- enriched my life through, the, you know, the education that you just told me. And I went, holy shit, that's my <laughs> business one. Oh, my God, it's, my, it's, it's mine too. Yeah. And it's quite funny because, you know, I think people can get caught up a lot of the time. What is my personal purpose? Yeah. Your personal purpose is to evolve as a human and do a fucking good job of it. Yeah. That's that's it, you know. And um, so, yeah, I have a, a far simpler view of life. But when you're in your prime, let me say, of your career growth, yeah, um, yeah, I was like a samurai sword. Get out of my way or I'd cut your head off. <laughs> Thank God I've mellowed. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I certainly know that, um, you know, the energy you bring to the K2 community is, is certainly welcome. Um, and it's a it's a strong energy and, a, and it's a beautiful energy too. So um, you know, I enjoy I enjoy the time that we spend together. But uh, last question today, Heather, been awesome to chat with you on the on the podcast. But uh, you know, what's the true meaning of wealth to you right now? Oh, that's a um, multi dimensional question, isn't it? <laughs> uh, and and for me, it's actually not about um, economics. Mm. And I know, and I don't want your listeners to think that that's being flippant at all. Uh, it, it is the richness of life that actually is is the wealth and our opportunity to be able to um, just sit and be and be comfortable. Um, I was asked a question the other day and, and we had to provide one word, I am, and, and mine was, I am me. That's it. That's wealth. Mm. Heather Gardner, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thank you very much. Been a privilege. (laughs) And he made me cry right at the end. The bugger. (laughs) Hey, thanks for joining us on The Wealth Faculty. Hope you enjoyed. Make sure you subscribe. Where all good podcasts are found, you can find us there. And if you want to watch it, you can subscribe on YouTube, Positive Mentor TV. And until the next episode, take care. Bye for now.